Welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps, the book club podcast, where we are going to dive into the details of a novel and pair it with a nightcap. And you're going to find that all out in our first episode, which is coming up. However, being that it was our first episode, we're not perfect. And we didn't exactly do the best job of setting it up for you to tell you how we're breaking down the book. And so our first first book is The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. And we're breaking this book into three parts. So part one is going to be chapters one through seven. No. All right. Okay. <laughs> and enjoy. Thanks for listening. Hey there, welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps, the book club podcast where we are going to dive into the details of what is hopefully a good novel, pair it with a fitting nightcap or whatever and whatever your heart desires, and then of course we'll leave a little review, give our thoughts when all is said and done. My name is Bree. And my name is Megan, your co-host. <laughs> and we're like really doing this. <laughs> which is just kind of crazy. So, and I think we're kicking it off. I'm also, I'm going to say like, I'm kind of proud of us because we're kicking it off with like a happy novel, which is definitely, I feel like outside of what the two of us normally pick. Yeah. But we don't want to scare people off. Right. 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 So yes, we're talking about the unhoneymooners. By Christina Lauren. <laughs> yeah, um also side note on that embarrassing and I really debated whether or not I said this out loud, but then like our conversation yesterday made me think about it even more. So, like I know it's Christina Lauren, but in my head for whatever reason, those like two the two first names like paired together, it's always like Christina Lauren. Like I can't like Ralph Lauren, <laughs> but it's Ralph Lauren. I, yes. Like I can't. Every single time I say it in my head, that is how it comes out. And it's I'm just like a little like French flair to it. Yeah. Oh, this novel by Christina Lauren. I can't help it. So yeah, so I know. Well, I mean, they're two American gals, so I think it's just Christina Lauren. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Okay, but before we talk about them, we have a fun tropical drink for this because if you didn't gather from the cover of the book, it's pretty tropical. And then we're going to Hawaii in the setting. So we are drinking, oh, hopefully I don't spill it, a an island breeze and sometimes called a Maui island breeze. So super fitting, which is about two ounces of vodka, six ounces of pineapple juice and a splash of cranberry juice. Or if you're me, it ended up being slightly more uh, than a splash. So it's a little, a little <laughs> oh, yours is dark. I know uh, it's a little heavy on the cranberry, but that's okay. You can still taste the pineapple. It's a, it's a make, make it your own cocktail. You know, right? you have the basics and you just do what you want with it. I mean, like, also, I did garnish it with cherries. You just can't see them because it's so dark. So I um, couldn't find, I sent Kyle, my husband, to the store to find maraschino cherries. He allegedly couldn't find them. Had I gone to the store, I probably would have found them. However, he found um, the cherry juice, like maraschino cherry syrup. So that's what's gracefully floating on the bottom of my glasses, more of a cherry syrup type of vibe. But yes. I like that it gives like a cool. It's super know, pretty. Where vibe. Like, yeah. 
mine, I don't really know what it looks like, but in any case, it's like very easy to do. Um, super fruity. Oh, also I was like, this would be so easy to even switch up with Malibu rum, which would give it like a coconutty flavor instead. Yes. It would be really, really good. Um, probably best top with an umbrella too, but I don't have an umbrella, but I do have this awesome cup. I'll try to show it without spilling. It says, I like big books and I cannot oh, lie. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Mine's just a regular stemless wine glass. Very boring. <laughs> it looks super pretty though. It's so fitting. All right. Well, cheers. before we, yeah, I was going to say, before we really dive in, I just wanted to give a cheers to us. Like we're doing this, this is happening. We're recording right now. Um, you can cut this out if you want, but I just wanted to say congrats and cheers to us doing this. So I love it. Way to go us. Cheers. Yay us. <laughs> oh, that's good. Tell us about oh, that's really good. Authors. I know it's so refreshing. Um, it kind of doesn't fit with the sweater weather candle that I have going on in the background. No. But, okay. <laughs> but see, at least you live somewhere semi-tropical. Um, me, I'm, you know, at home, Midwest. Um, and just like it should be, yesterday was like 77 degrees. Today is 46 and thunderstorms. So my my drink is a nice uh, bright spot on a gloomy day. <laughs> That's, yeah, I was going to say it is. Uh, what is the temperature? Uh, it is 82 here and oh, sunny. Okay. Nice. So, I mean, so tropical. <laughs> it is. It's so tropical. But, all right. Tell us about these authors. Yes. So, if you didn't know, it is two authors. Um, they co write. I turns out, I mean, this is the first book that I've read by them, um, but they're super big in kind of the young adults area. Um, so I'm not I'm not super familiar with those level of books, but um, they've been writing in that genre for quite a while. But um, so it's a combination of Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings. So that's where you get Christina Lauren um, and their best Lauren. friends, just like we are. So that was kind of a fun fact about them, too. I was reading through um, are you familiar with Shonda Rhimes. She does obviously yeah. like a ton of stuff, but there was an interview with the two authors on Shondaland.com. Um, and one of the questions was asking, how do you get your books to seem so cohesive? Um, and they, because it's two authors, you know, living in two separate areas, it's not like they're collaborating constantly, but they are. Well, I was actually really wondering this. So I'm glad. Yeah. So they, um, a lot of their books are written typically in dual perspective so that like one character will be one author for the most part. And then the second character, the other perspective will be the second author. So I think that kind of helps divide a, some of the work and B just each author then kind of has their own voice throughout the story, which is really interesting. That's not necessarily the case in this book. Um, but it's just That's a, really kind of, unique though. Yeah. That's really unique. I will say this is, um, I think this is either the fourth or the fifth novel of theirs. Oh, I think it's the fifth. I just remembered another one too that I have read from them. So, I mean, I've been a, I've been a fan. I will say that this is probably um, 
like one of the lighter ones not that their their other books have by any means been like super deep or dark but Mm -hmm. the banter that we've been seeing so far isn't quite there in most of the other ones that I've read so but I enjoy their writing style for sure Nice. Yes. I mean, this is my first one and I'm glad you brought up the banter. Cause I feel like that's a huge, like, it feels very relatable for me, which is why I've been so engaged with this book too, because it's very just like quick witty responses back and forward. Um, and, and you kind of already alluded to this too, but the book itself kind of takes place in Minneapolis to start and then goes to our tropical Hawaii destination have you been to either of those places? Um, I have been to Minneapolis many times yeah. from <laughs> when I used to live um, in Iowa. And there were many events that took me further north. It was actually not that bad of a drive. I have not been to Hawaii. Uh, quick anecdote. I was supposed to go to Hawaii in, gosh, what year was that? 2014, 2013. I don't know. It was some time ago and I was supposed to go to Hawaii. My whole family was supposed to go. And then literally like the day or two days before we were supposed to leave, Hawaii got hit by two hurricanes. And so I like, don't remember that happening. I mean, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it was all over the news, but I just don't remember terrible hurricanes over there. Yeah, it was. And like, do not quote me on the year, but it was literally like back to back, like one happened and we were kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's all right. And then it was just another one coming. Um, so we ended up deciding not to go and that was for the best because we had tracked it later on and we would have been stranded in LA had we even like attempted to get there um which the last thing that they needed after two hurricanes was like a bunch of tourists coming to but in any case we wouldn't have made it and so i have not been to hawaii um i think my family is like attempting to go next year but we'll see how that goes so yeah what about you i mean you've obviously been to minneapolis yes been to minneapolis um you know we're just a hop skip and a jump away from there i think it's all of like three hours from where I live currently. So not very far at all. And then Hawaii, I have been to, um, it was right before we moved to, to Iowa. Um, that was like our big family trip before making the transition. Um, so we were there when I was gosh, 13. So, I mean, it's been a long time. (laughs) Um, you know, sad to say it's been, 17 years since I've been there. (laughs) That's crazy. But yeah, but I I mean, I remember it being beautiful. We island hopped, you know, we took the little airplanes to get to the other islands. And um, it was awesome. Definitely would love to go again. But that was the only time I've been. I wish I had more standout memories, but I I know it was great. I just wish I I remembered more. (laughs) I hear great things. And like, would love to go. I will say that if this trip even happens next year, part of me is a little nervous for reasons that I've told you about in the adventures that my husband 
has planned. Yes. Um, they make me quite <laughs> nervous. <laughs> and like, I'm all for a good adventure, but the ones he's been saying so far, I mean, they like kind of terrify me. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, if that happens, I'll probably have good stories to tell if I make it back. You'll make it back. Jared's <laughs> not going to kill you. <laughs> I mean, he better not like leave me stranded if we're kayaking and it like right. tips over. <laughs> we'll so see. I just added, and we've been talking about the two places and I was doing a little bit of research on them and found some surprising fun facts. Hawaii's not so surprising, um, but Minneapolis, I did not know this. They invented scotch tape, Bisquick, the bunt pan, and the honey crisp apple. Oh, my favorite apple. Right. The best apple. Yes. But also like pancake mix, the tape you use on every Christmas present ever, and the bunt pan. What a fun claim to fame for Minneapolis. <laughs> Way to go, Minneapolis. I Woo. mean, those are all all things that I appreciate for sure. Yes. Um, definitely, like, I mean, I think we have pancakes at my house like once a week because every Saturday, Jared wakes up and is like, can we have pancakes? Yes. <laughs> Literally every Saturday. Um, and the Honeycrisp apple, like definitely my favorite. Even the last time my mom came down to Florida from Iowa, she brought me Honeycrisp apples. Oh, nice. Like, well, that's so generous of her. <laughs> I mean, it's just not the same, like buying them at the store when you can get them from the orchard. Yes. Fresh, fresh, hot Honeycrisp apples, not hot, but Turns out they're straight from Minneapolis themselves. Um, and then the Hawaii fun facts, invention of surfing, the everybody kind of probably assumed that. And then um, they Hawaii has one of the only adults only resorts and pools. I don't know if that means um, things get a little risque in terms of like I don't know if it's a a nudist type of place or if it's just adults only no one under you know 21 whatever but I just was like oh how's like, off to Hawaii so if you want to maybe on honeymoon or regular honeymoon in Hawaii you can uh Kiddos. you can maybe go naked I don't know for sure <laughs> Little. Just go with someone you really like. <laughs> Unlike these characters. Yeah, okay, yeah. so probably not these two people. Yeah, so transitions. <laughs> yes. So the first third of the novel novel chapters one through seven. Yes. Yeah, well, I feel like we should just dive in. Um, quick summary. So chapter one, we're looking at twin sisters, Amy. Side note, we had a lot of debate if it was pronounced Amy or Ami. We're going to go with Amy. Um, and her twin sister, Olive Torres, are at Amy's wedding to husband's fiance, Dane Thomas, in Minneapolis. Um, I mean, pretty quick off the bat, we're learning that Amy is a huge coupon clipper, bargain hunter. She just wants to get the best deals and or things for free as possible, which is important to note as this wedding progresses. Um, so, I mean, we're talking her dress, bridesmaids dresses, bouquets, the dinner, everything is either free or extremely reduced prices. Um, 
And then the author kind of digs into while Ami or Amy is very, <laughs> very lucky in that she's able to win all of these things. Olive, on the other hand, twin sister, super unlucky. Um, she gets stuck in a vending machine when she's a little kid, ends up on the news everywhere. So super embarrassing. Um, she says that you can even YouTube a video of her and you'll find it, which side note, I did try to YouTube that just to see like, maybe this really does exist out there. It doesn't. So <laughs> I just thought I'd give it a look. <laughs> um, and then with all of Amy's bargaining, we get to the bridesmaids dresses. Um, they end up being this heinous shade of green quote. They sound terrible. Seven up can green. I am picturing like you know, when you're in college and you go to parties and you have like those duct tape dresses, like I am picturing that floor length, seven up can green. Oh, that is what is in my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. I will say, I think like at one point, Diego, he, the cousin, right. He says something about like, oh, I was going to offer to do your makeup, but like, I don't think anyone will be looking or something like that. And I did yes. actually like giggle out loud to that part, but I was like, Oh, this just sounds terrible. Yeah. From what I gather, they are tight, they are shiny, and they are the ugliest shade of green you can find. <laughs> but they were free. So that's what they're going with. <laughs> that's clearly like all that matters to Amy. Is yes. They're free. So Olive just feels so uncomfortable in this dress. Um, I guess her boobs are just like hanging out. Um, her mom says that she can see her chi-chis and just, you know, little jabs about things like that. Um, but she is the, the maid of honor. So she has to kind of abide by her sister's wishes and try not to grumble as much, even though her boobs are hanging out of her bright, tight dress. <laughs> um, and the biggest thing that we're trying to get to in this first chapter is that so she olives the maid of honor she's has a lot of duties that she needs to fulfill and one of them is ensuring that herself and another guest um have don't have the seafood banquet that was bargained for by amy um so also, she's please let me in that category of like not wanting the seafood buffet i like I don't know. I get it. Sounds like a risk. It does. <laughs> it sounds like a risk. And that's also, I get it. Like it's free and that's the point of this. But I'm like, in my head, if I ever attended a wedding that was like only a seafood buffet, I'm only having cake. Like I will yeah. not eat anything yeah. else. I just I feel like I'm not much of a fish person myself personally. So that in itself already turns me off. But just knowing that it's, I just feel like fish is one of those very sensitive foods. Like it has to be cooked just right. It has to be at the right temperature. It has to be served in such a way. So yes, a buffet of like mass produced fish products is just not for me. <laughs> me either, which also like total side note, because this happened literally the other night. So Jared, Jared likes to fish like gets off work sometimes, goes out fishing. And he came back the other day and actually instead of fish, like came back with a crab. And oh. the fish I, so I like to cook, but like fish is just, I didn't grow up with that. I not, it's not really my thing, but I've gotten better at like cooking up some of his stuff for him. But crab, like 
I don't know the first thing. I don't know what to do. I also don't want to touch it. So yeah, no. And I'm sitting on the couch reading, of course, and he was trying to cook this crab. And I don't even remember what he asked, but he asked me a question. I just looked at him like, I'm sorry, what do you actually expect me to be any sort of help in this instance? Like, I don't even know what you want. And I mean, he did it. And then he felt the need to like love him, but sat at the counter and just like every bite he would take, he was like, so good. I did such a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with praising yourself as you're going. (laughs) I was like, okay, Okay, but sad, but are crabs one that you cook alive? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was like somewhat alive when he put it in the boiling water. I, yeah, I can't, you know, the little mermaid only taught me so many things about, I know that's (laughs) all I know. So (laughs) last part of chapter one is, um, so Olive trying to make sure that she does not have any of the seafood. She has an extreme allergy. And then we kind of get introduced to, um, the other, we'll call him main character, um, Ethan Thomas, who is the older brother to the groom, Dane, um, who is also not going to be having the seafood, more because he's just picky, um, not because he has an allergy or anything like that. I just dislikes the germiness of buffets, which I don't necess- I don't totally disagree. Yeah. I mean, kind of what we just said, it just sounds like a risk. So best to avoid it. Yeah. So while everyone else is gung-ho, these two are like, hell no. <laughs> no way. No, thank you. Um, Random, I just thought about this too, because I remember it stuck out to me at the time, but not when they're describing Ethan, but when we're getting some descriptions of Dane, his brother, and they quote, describe him as a dude bro. And I yes. was Dane is like, I don't know. To me, I was like, that's the perfect name for a quote, dude, bro. So it's really funny you say that because the only Dane I know is not that person at all. Yes. Oh my gosh. To me, this is more like the Chad, Thad, Brad kind of dude, bro. Whereas like the Dane I know is very quiet and I'm pretty sure he works with like computers. So just like kind of more of a maybe nerdy person. Hopefully he doesn't hear this or know that I'm talking about him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's so funny that they're, he's the dude, bro. (laughs) And I thought it was like fitting because the, I think like the only Dane I've ever met, I would describe him as a dude, bro. So I was like, oh, fitting. I totally picture this person. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then I guess, you know, Ethan, we don't get as much of like the bro-y vibes um, in the description, but it just sounds like he is a magnificent piece of human being in terms of looks so far. (laughs) Yes. And I would say it kind of sounds or seems like he also thinks he's magnificent. Yes. I think there's a little bit of an ego going on for sure. Dane seems very down to earth, even though he is kind of the like dude, bro, frat guy, whatever stereotype you want to give him. But he seems loving and outgoing. Ethan seems a little more reserved and full of himself. (laughs) (laughs) To put it nicely. (laughs) 
It is a very kind way to put it. <laughs> yes. So that kind of opens up chapter two. We really dive in a little bit more to the encounter that Olive and Ethan have had in the past when they're meeting each other for the first time. So remember, Amy and Dane, they're dating. They're now engaged. They're getting married. So, of course, bring your twin, you know, bring the brother. Let's meet the family kind of scenario. And Ethan just makes the worst impression on Olive. Um, I'm pretty sure they were at the state fair and he's just giving love her. Yes, love state fairs. But he is just giving her all the looks and judgment for wanting to get freaking cheese curds, which are delicious. I was going to say, so, never, ever feel bad about eating cheese curds, like period, full stop. They're amazing. Yes. yes. It's, yeah. I So I'm kind of mad at him for even making her feel bad for making that wonderful choice at the fair. Um, so just right away, it just seems like the vibe is off between the two of them. He has just seemed really judgmental and just, I don't know, semi-dislike for Olive, which then puts a bad taste in her mouth. But Olive is very outgoing and outspoken so far. Um, and we really start to see the, the banter between Ethan and Olive. You know, they're both they're the best man and the maid of honor. So, of course, they're interacting throughout this chapter, especially. And um, we just really start to see a lot of the, the back and forward, maybe even kind of like a flirtatious. There's a hint talk. of it. I mean, there's, there's definitely a hint. That's kind of what I was getting from it, but because I know like there's, there's, there's like guy friends that you kind of talk to like that. And not that you're flirting with guy friends, but just like that, that witty banter of like, Hey, you're, you know, I'm kind of one of you or we're on the same level in a sense, even though she hates this guy. <laughs> right. And I will say like, I mean, I like that. Cause I think that's like, a strength to where it is there's this like flirtatious nature that's kind of underneath it all but at mm -hmm. the same time I think it sort of shows like her strength in that she's not gonna let like some judgmental prick um run all over her she's for sure like, I'll dish it back and I I love that and we for see sure. that like throughout this first third of the book and I'm sure that it only continues throughout the rest of the book which Again, I just feel like that's very relatable. Like I'm, I know that I've had conversations, not flirtatious, married, happily married, but just like where you can dish it and serve it back and forth and there's no harm, no foul kind of thing, which is always fun in my opinion. <laughs> it is fun. And I, I mean, I, it's just refreshing too, like to be able to read that and when something like that feels so relatable and also is actually like making you laugh or smile or giggle out loud. Like that's not an easy thing to do. No. Reading something. So especially I like, like with, you know, like we were saying kind of that maybe romantic undertone. I just feel like a lot of books either lean heavy into the romance where everything just kicks off right away and they fall in love and blah, blah, blah. But this is very unromantic to start off with, which I'm, I'm very much enjoying. <laughs> I kind of like, I mean, I think we sort of know what trope this book, like it's not a secret what right. genre it is and where things are going, but I would say, and how do I want to say this? Like, I like that direction. I'm obviously like, I'm one for the happy endings. I think that those are fantastic and everything, but low key, maybe not even low key, maybe high key. I kind of <laughs> like the before when they're, 
sort of enemies. Like I yeah. like that. I like the tension and I like the banter and I don't know. Like I, I almost get like more enjoyment out of that. And maybe it's because like, I know where it's heading. I don't know, but I like, right. That. I feel like that's, that's a good point. It kind of draws you in more just because it's not so obvious right off the bat. I mean, like you said, the undertone is there. We know where this is going, but we want to see it for ourselves. Yeah. We want to see it all unfold, which I'm, I really like. <laughs> um, so chapter two, basically where we end is Ethan and Olive, once again, not eating any of the seafood reception of the, the wedding goes, or excuse me, ceremony of the wedding goes off wonderfully. Everyone's, you know, laughing when they should crying when they should. It's just beautiful. Not a ton of detail. I think it's just kind of obvious that things went well there. <laughs> and then, um, then we move into the reception where we're, um, you know, eating, dancing, cutting cake, et cetera. And we are moving into the toasts. Um, so Ethan goes first, giving his toast. Um, I know a big thing from chapter one that I forgot to skipped over was that Olive needed to kind of get some intel on Ethan's speech to make sure that it's, you know, appropriate. It's not digging too negatively at either the bride or groom. Um, and so Olive says that it's a surprisingly not dickish speech. So luckily that all goes nicely for Ethan. And then Olive is next getting ready to speak. And first she's getting bombarded with texts, which again, very relatable, you know, it's technology. We're all using our phones all the time. So her speech is on her phone and she's getting bombarded with texts about how great her boobs look, which <laughs> compliment, love that. I mean, that's good. Good to know. Yes. And then um, she can barely get through the first couple sentences of her speech um, before we are looking at the groom projectile vomiting all over our poor bride, Amy. At least so her dress I, was free. Yeah, the dress <laughs> was free. Um, I don't know how much her uh, dry cleaning costs are going to be for that, but oh, yeah. I think we're kind of getting to maybe why we didn't want the seafood buffet. <laughs> yeah, like, as if I wasn't already turned off by the fact that it's a seafood buffet, this book has officially told me that if I ever go to a wedding and they have a seafood buffet, I will not be partaking in that. Yes, um, 100%. So other than my wedding, have you ever had to give another toast at another wedding? No, I've only been a maid of honor one time. <laughs> It was beautiful. Thanks. It was, I like still reflect back on those <laughs> because I feel like I probably am making a bigger deal out of it than it was. But I remember like being flustered and like not wanting to drink beforehand because my nerves were oh, so high. And then I feel like you were several times were like, are you okay? Like, you don't seem like you're having fun. And I'm like, I am. I just need to get through this speech. <laughs> and then I remember like, standing up there, dropping my papers. And then I, remember that. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so awkward. And then freaking, I get booed at the end of this. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay. No, worst, worst was, speech ever. <laughs> no, oh my gosh, no, it was so sweet. And like the part of the people we're booing was only about like Jared and I moving to Iowa. And that place was full of people in Florida. I like, should have read the room 
<laughs> and I just chose to actually read my speech. <laughs> no, oh my gosh. I well, one like I I definitely think you're critiquing yourself a lot more. Like it was so it was so sweet, but I do remember that, and I was like, no, like I agree with her, but I'm just <laughs> one little like one person in this like sea of people in Florida. Please just move back. <laughs> please, please go back. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. I also don't blame you at all for being nervous because, well, I haven't had to give a toast and like all prayers that I never have to. I think I'm like in the clear, but, um, but please just no one, like I do not want to, even though I, I don't know, public speaking doesn't really bother me, but I feel like toast in general, there's just too much pressure. There's there too is much a lot of pressure. There's a I, huge audience and it's like a personal audience, yeah. you know, versus like a business presentation or something where it's more like colleagues and people that you don't know as well I feel like with a wedding like it's family it's friends it's people that you have chosen to be there and that definitely raises the intimidation factor I will say I low-key almost had you and my sister both give speeches and <laughs> knowing how my sisters went I almost wish I would have done that <laughs> whoops whatever you live and learn <laughs> that oh my goodness um, yes i do remember you, like touching her arm to be like okay um that's, that's enough yeah um, <laughs> is this are we wrapping like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just remember you and tara my, one of my other bridesmaids and i think even shelly my sister-in-law going into the bathroom with my sister hearing her say the speech out loud oh, it was good. and you guys were like this is great it's gonna be awesome and then so she gets up there and says none of that <laughs> not not a single sentence i swear oh. was the same with like what we heard so we did we did what olive did and like we tried to get you know get a feel for what it was going to be and then she went rogue in yeah. the direction that she took that speech yeah I mean, again, I mean, great memories. Love laughing about it now for oh. for both your wedding and my wedding. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> with your sister for sure. Like some of the best memories of that night involve her. <laughs> so even like the night before, I feel like even even my bachelorette trip. I feel like my oh. Sister, just she's a she's a fun time <laughs> she's a great time like i will say she settled down a little bit um but who knows? I'm not my, brother's, my brother's getting married next year so she might bring it bring it right back out we'll see <laughs> weddings are a good time to do it for sure that's probably the most appropriate time to do it even though you're surrounded by your friends and family just just let loose <laughs> i feel like I want to say they even say it in the book too. Like, it's just, it's funny how nearly every wedding or at least the ones that I've been to, it's like this beautiful ceremony and it's just like so proper and so sweet. Oh yeah. And this like lovely music. And then it just, I mean, total mayhem. Yeah. I mean, dare I say a shit show depending on where you go. I mean, Brie, I remember at your wedding, someone ripping their pants. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they were dancing so hard. Ripping and his pants and not having on anything underneath. <laughs> so, okay. Bold move. Bold move. <laughs> we're totally going down. And I'll just, I mean, I'll tell the story because literally everyone knows it. So 
fast forward to before the ceremony when like all the girls are getting ready, the guys are getting ready. This groomsman shows up at the chapel and they're like, they're all getting dressed in their room. And he goes, oh my gosh, guys, um, I, I didn't bring any boxers or boxer briefs with me. And Jared, my husband is like, dude, you free balled to the chapel. And he was like, I mean, he's like, I didn't really think about it. Like, I just, like, you've just been without underwear this whole time. I I just thought like I was going to be in this for a short amount of time, but I didn't think to like pack it. And so, I mean, honestly, he manifested this whole situation by like doing that and then saying something. And he literally said something along the line of like, oh, I'm sure it's not going to be a problem. Like we'll be totally fine. And then rips his pants, but hanging out at the reception, I will say, I don't know if this is kudos to everyone or just if it was like chaotic, but I had no idea any of this happened until the next day. I think most people probably try to give you a good buffer so that you didn't have to see and hear about all of that until after everything. The video footage though, and like, the photos from that whole situation are I will cherish all of those photos for sure of his ass hanging out and him being like face down in the grass they're amazing so okay (laughs) back to the unhuggers (laughs) yes back to the book we've all been married this is a good okay so chapter three I would like to describe it as virtually that scene from the bridesmaids movies, you know, after they eat that terrible lunch and things are coming out both ends, but picture that with 200 wedding guests that are affected. (laughs) I literally wrote in my notes. So like, it's so funny. You thought the same thing. Cause I wrote, this is bridesmaids 2.0. Yes. Like hundred percent. I hope that's where they also got their inspiration because that is just such an iconic scene in in that movie. So I'm glad that like first thought for everybody is this is Bridesmaids. This is exactly what happened. So, you know, seafood gone bad, spraying from both ends. If you need a visual, it's this. <laughs> it's not good. Not good. Um, and this is where kind of the, the twist happens, if you will. So Amy frugal, frugal Amy, um, gets her honeymoon for free. She raffled it or, you know, entered a submission or whatever she did in order to get it for free, non-refundable, can't get her money back, can't cancel, can't move around the dates until she's done puking and shitting and everything terrible that's happening to her. So offers it to her dear twin sister, Olive says, take this trip. I can't get my money back. Do it. And Olive, who is recently unemployed, unfortunately, got laid off, is like at first kind of protesting like, no, sis, this is this is yours. I can't take this from you. And then she's like, you know what? Damn, I'm unemployed. I should treat myself. And so she agrees. Treat yourself. To do it. She agrees to take it. Um, And then knock on the door, it's Ethan. He is coming over to find out the honeymoon information. Because Dane, little brother, 
told him that he could also take it. So Amy or Olive has already agreed to take Amy's spot, not knowing that Ethan is going to be taking Dean's spot. And once they find out, it's kind of like, do I really want to do this still? And then they both kind of agree that, yes, let's go through with it on the pretense that we remain completely separate. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hang out with you. We'll have to pretend like we're married just to greet the concierge and then let's go our separate ways. And that's kind of where we land in chapter three. So not a ton of drama other than the bridesmaids scene, but um, otherwise they're just deciding they're going to take this trip and hopefully not have to deal with each other. Hopefully. So chapter four and uh, opens up with Olive and Ethan are off to Hawaii and Olive has this like kind of quick, not change of heart, but just like a moral compass that says, hey, I'm already committing fraud by pretending to be my twin sister, but I'm going to go ahead and not do that for the flights because Amy already had um, flights booked in their names and, you know, the trip booked in their names and everything. But Olive's moral compass is like, no, I'm going to book my own flight. However, to make it seem like they're a couple, Olive and Ethan still fly together. And Ethan's like, you know what? You pick the flight, whatever. So they show up at the airport together. Turns out it's super budget flight. Um, probably not ideal for flying, but it was what Olive could afford. And Ethan, I think we're kind of learning a little bit that he might have some money because um, he was making it seem like, well, I could have bought the tickets if you would have let me kind of thing um, to maybe not be on such a budget. So um, we're just kind of learning a little bit more about Ethan's egotistic ways just from the flight itself. <laughs> I'm like all for a budget flight, but I also have... I mean, I'm sure this is dramatic, but also can like vividly picture the couple of times that I have thought my plane was like going down or was like a budget flight. And I mean, I remember one time taking off and the plane was literally just like zigzagging. And I was like, we're like, we're not going to make it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not to be pretentious, but like there are airlines I will not book because Um, I do not trust them. (laughs) or have had like a terrifying experience like yes I I mean I have I've had like two I mean one I was with my mom and I remember like that was a flight that Jared I mean he thought we were like goners and (laughs) people were crying and it was so bad and I haven't flown the airline since and then even just recently this wasn't like as bad but it was still really bad and I think I told you this. I was like on the flight with my boss at the time and like boss, but he's also just like really good friend now, huge mentor, like amazing person. But I'm on this flight with him and like it was, I mean, I was so terrified, but like trying to keep my cool and I just, I literally sat like this the whole time, like with my book in my face. I couldn't read. I like couldn't focus. It was so bad. So it's like a little pretentious, but I kind of get it. Yes. And I will say, I mean, glad you kind of brought that up because that's exactly how Ethan is this entire flight. I mean, he is like clinging for his life, but 
prior to boarding, so remember, Olive is unemployed currently. She has gone through a lot of interviews and just submitting her resume places. And right before boarding, like moments before, she gets a call that she takes um, and it's an offer. It's a job offer for, um, I think it's Hamilton, uh, what's it? Hamilton Biosciences. Yeah, correct. Yes. Hamilton Biosciences. And, and it's a huge opportunity and she's super excited about it. Um, so she gets that call going into this unhoneymoon, um, as, as the book calls it. Um, super excited now. Budget flight, a little scary, but knowing she has job security and good things awaiting her when she comes back is, I think, putting her in kind of a more positive, upbeat mood. And then we cut back over to Ethan, who is just terrified of this flight, um, borderline binge drinking slash it's like two drinks, I think was all they could get on the plane. <laughs> and then uh, just clinging for his life and clinging to a lucky penny, which I thought was a really interesting call out or like thing to have, because I feel like in this day, I personally never carry around change. So I think it's cool that he carries around a, a lucky penny and it was double printed, right? That's what made it kind right. of it's more Yeah, Not just your average penny. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't even think about that at the time, but yeah, I don't. Like, I mean, know would, would I cling on to my lucky credit card? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a double yeah. printed credit card? <laughs> I definitely try really hard not to. I just think that's really card. interesting because everything, yeah. I just think it's cool because like every and there's a couple of call outs of him like having change like I think once they get to the resort I'm jumping ahead a little bit but he like throws a penny into the fountain to like make a wish not his lucky penny but throws you know so it seems like he like is very egotistic but sometimes has these little simple things about him that I think brings him down to earth just a little bit enough for me to still be like huh Maybe you're not such a bad guy. <laughs> Maybe there's more to you, Ethan. Yes. Um, and, and basically, chapter four goes through the, um, the flight and um, them landing in Maui, um, where we quickly learn that Olive cannot lie to save her life. She basically word vomits to the concierge of, like it just like she can't stop herself from talking and trying to make up the story about why she's actually Amy and not Olive because remember on a deep level everything is is booked in not their names so they have to pretend to be these people which intimidating I mean I don't know that I could pull off a lie for that extended period of time I also feel like I would totally word vomit in that situation <laughs> as well. So yeah, it's I mean it's like having a fake ID. Like oh yes, I am Samantha, twenty four years old, living on this particular street. You know, like I it's know. just robotic oh. word vomit that comes out <laughs> to try I mean, to make my, it more convincing. My <laughs> that's like. My first fake ID, I was 17 because I, when I got to college, I was not 18 yet. And so I couldn't even get into the oh, bar. Wow, like, you're a baby. No. And 
everyone else obviously was like 18 or older. And so I remember like the very first night that I went out and the ID they gave me was like this 26 year old girl named Ashley. And I'm like little 17 year old brain. I'm like, yeah, I'm the oldest of my group of friends. Um, I'm Ashley. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you, did they buy it? Did they let oh, you I in? I got in. I got in and I remember I thought I was really cool because I was like, I'm 17 and I'm in this bar. But I'm actually 26 year old Ashley. <laughs> Not only did I get in, but I could order a drink. Like, yes. Oh, that's so funny. See, I never, I never had a fake ID. You know, I never had to, to keep up a lie like that. I just, it's luckily I had people either get it for me or whatever, whatever worked out. I, I never was dry on alcohol. <laughs> Uh, so chapter five, <laughs> so uh, they get, they get in, they get their suite. Again, this is Olive and Ethan, not Amy and Dane. Um, and they're basically, it is, the room is bombarded with your newlyweds. This is your honeymoon. They get, you know, champagne, cooling. They have etched Mr. and Mrs. glasses. Everything is just screaming. This should be a honeymoon. And obviously, Olive and Ethan are very much not wanting to be on a honeymoon or even really be near each other. Um, so right away, they decide to discuss who is sleeping where. I mean, the suite is huge. It's beautiful. Um, have you ever seen the HBO show White Lotus? No, but I know what you're talking about. But okay, that's like what I picture this resort and the room. And I mean, everything's just so grand. That's what I'm picturing and in, in the show, there's one room that's like literally like living room, several bedrooms, a laundry room. So that's kind of what I'm picturing this honeymoon suite to be like, where it's big enough to, to have some space to move around. So right away, Olive and Ethan are like, who's sleeping where? There's, I'm guessing a, a couch, maybe a pullout couch. And then there's one bedroom, because this is supposed to be a honeymoon suite where you're going to spend some time in the bedroom, wink. And um, Olive wins the bedroom. So Ethan is going to be sleeping on the couch um, and they, you know, start unpacking a bit, kind of not really talking too much, just again, going their separate ways as they had planned. And Olive decides, you know what, screw this, Ethan, I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm going to go book myself a spa treatment. So she is down getting pampered, loving life all of the uh, Hawaii honeymoon experience when she literally runs into her future boss. Pause. Can you imagine <laughs> like being on a vacation and running into a coworker, your boss, a former teacher, a parent? Like I, that just seems so awkward to me, especially in a spa where you're probably like just in a robe or just in a towel or something you and know, to be more that. relaxed. He like goes to hug her and they're in robes. Yes. And that's. And so, you don't know if there's anything on underneath. There probably isn't. Probably not. Um, I mean, so like I did, I have been to like the spa with, well, two other like female coworkers before. <laughs> but, um, but totally different. But I don't know if it was like, especially 
well, I mean, any sort of like work scenario is probably super awkward, but especially like the, a new company too, where you have basically no like established relationship at all with them. I don't know. The whole thing to me immediately when it happened, I was just like, this is so awkward. Like I'm uncomfortable uncomfortable for this, these fake people. This is not okay. And I, I think I forgot to mention like the, the level of future boss. This is literally the owner of the company. This is Mr. Hamilton of Hamilton Biosciences. So this is like top dog that you have just run into in your bathrobe, in a spa, in Maui. Oh my gosh, it is. It's so crazy. Awkward, awkward. Like I'm just picturing every, because I'm sure this has been in a TV show or a movie or something. And it just like those scenes always just make me like, Oh God, I just, I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> oh, the secondhand embarrassment. You're like, Oh yes. no. Like I'm the type of person where when that happens, I want to leave the room. I can't watch the scene unfold because I already know what's going to happen. And I'm so embarrassed for that. I, I hate that. Whenever I get like secondhand embarrassment, <laughs> even like for a told TV show or movie or something like that, I'm the same way. I like hide. I'm just yeah like I don't want to watch I don't want to hear it I know what the interaction's going to be I, I don't want any part of it <laughs> maybe do you think do you think that's because like on some I don't know like we've had just embarrassing moments like in our personal lives and we're like oh, we yeah. know how it feels and we just like have to cringe away and be like I can't like I can't relive those nightmares and those embarrassing moments I think you're probably spot on I mean there are so many times where like I don't know if you do this, but I'll like replay a conversation even from like high school. And I'm just like, this is so, and then I feel embarrassed for myself for like whatever, whatever that happened. So I think you're spot on in that it's, it's secondhand embarrassment from firsthand experience. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I mean, some of them are like so stupid. I mean, I think, I think last year, was it, gosh, I don't even, no, it was this year when I saw you and I told you, I like, you were the first person I ever told about my embarrassing moment that is so dumb, but like replays in my head from high school. And I'm sure like no one else has any, well, hopefully not. Maybe they do. Maybe that's why I'm so embarrassed. Like, but that whole situation just like replays in my head. And I, yeah. I mean, I can't, (laughs) so it's so dumb, but I can't help it. So what we're saying is we get it. (laughs) We do. Been there, done that. Yes. And so super awkward encounter with the future boss. I'm going to call him CEO, founder, whatever he would like. I mean, it's Mr. Hamilton. And so not only does he awkward hug her in the robe, hi girl good to see you um he then invites her to dinner with him and his wife and this is after a spa employee has been like oh amy torres amy torres or amy thomas i think is what she calls her and and mr hamilton's like what i think she says like mrs too so that yes like like mrs thomas yeah and so then that immediately brings up the lie for olive to be like oh yeah i just got married 
We all know. Well, I, love it. I love that she like, kind of <laughs> contemplates it. Like, I've got two options here. I yes. <laughs> do this or I do this. And it just like comes out. Yep. Again, the word vomit thing. And, you know, I think word vomit is a thing from Mean Girls. But that phrase has always stuck with me because I just feel like that is this character. Like she can't hold back. And it's just like she thinks about it for a split second and immediately just like, here's everything. Yep, like, this is who I am. <laughs> like when you're like your words are going, but your brain like hasn't fully caught up yet. And then when your brain yes. finally catches up and you're like, what did I just say? Yes. And that's exactly what Olive is going through because not only has she just lied, but she's also agreed to dinner with her husband and uh, her future boss and his wife. So uh, now we got to break it to Ethan that, uh, sorry, we can't avoid each other right now. We need to go to dinner with my boss. <laughs> and be husband and wife. We need to act. And not only husband and wife, but like newlywed, lovey, yes. we're on our honeymoon. This is fantastic. That like, not, not just your everyday husband and wife. Yes. Not like we've been married for 10 plus years. We're really good compatibly. This is like honeymoon phase. We are on our honeymoon. We need to be cutesy, lovey-dovey. We're just loving our life right now. And uh, so she's got to break it to Ethan that they're going to have to put on a little bit of a facade this evening. So then we, that basically kicks off chapter six, um, which again, we know Olive has the worst time lying. So chapter six kind of opens up with her reaching out to her two biggest confidants, Diego, her cousin, and her sister, Amy. And she just word vomits the situation that's happened to them and is basically like, teach me how to lie. And both of them were like, you you don't know how to lie. <laughs> I mean, they call her out on it right away of like, you're just the worst liar ever. But basically they kind of give her the advice of just, just keep it, keep it simple, you know, do like half, half truths kind of thing. So um, while Ethan and Olive are preparing to go to dinner, um, I think they're riding down the elevator or walking down the hall together and they're just back and forward coming up with this whole backstory of where they met, how they fell in love, who, you know, like who introduced them, um, all these little details that would make it seem more convincing that they are a, a couple that's known each other for a while. And I forgot to mention, riding on the line for doing this favor is the bedroom okay. of the honeymoon suite. So Ethan has said to Olive, I will do this dinner. We're going to lie our way through dinner if I get the bedroom. And Olive's like, okay, fine. I owe you at least that much. So that's where we're, we're at with that. So, um, I, I mean, basically dinner goes off fantastically. Ethan is super charming, borderline kind of lovey. You know, he puts the arm around her. They give each other a few glances um, Olive is just trying to like not talk basically and let, let Ethan just take over. 
Um, and we kind of see, again, a little bit more of that character development in Ethan where I mean, he he is a, a good looking, charming person. I was I mean, going to say he's charming for sure. Or yes. at the very least, and I don't think this is the case, but at the very least, he can turn on the charm. Yes, for sure. And I think I, I think he's one that he does read the room and knows kind of what to say when, depending on who his audience is, which that's a great gift and a great talent, but he's- a Strong the, quality that too many people lack. <laughs> yes, and he's just charming the pants off of Mr. and Mrs. Hamilton, um, so much so that they're like, let's be friends when we all get back to Minneapolis. And they're, probably dying inside a little bit at that comment because I think Olive had said before they went to dinner like hey be charming but like not too convincing and of course he's like, like you're gonna die or end up being some asshole in the end of this so. yes yes that's and that's charming. exactly what happens <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah he's super I will say so like I did have a little like mini swoon moment though when he tells her that she like always looks great yes I was like I did I was like oh cute like that's and I feel like that kind of what we were talking about earlier goes back to the whole like yes they have strong personalities they have this strong-willed banter and like don't let on that they really maybe kind of enjoy each other but you see these little cracks. And, and so he does say like, cause I think Olive before dinner was like, do I look okay? Like, I don't know what to wear. How do I dress? And that's when he's like, you always look great. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you can see like her brain working of like, wait, did he actually just say that? And I even think in earlier chapters, it might've been like chapter two when they were going through the toes and stuff, he also gave her, kind of an offhanded compliment that she was like, wait, Ethan Thomas is being nice to me or like has something nice to say. Like this is super rare. Yeah. But in her head, yes. In her head, he's a dick. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like these moments of him being nice, just kind of give her pause of like, whoa, he can be charming and he can be sweet. Like that's surprising. So I think that just gives us as the audience a couple little cracks into, I I think, obviously, he really likes her and is just putting up this front. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so they get done with dinner. It goes swimmingly with Mr. and Mrs. Hamilton. They literally want them to join a couples group. In my head, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, is this like a swingers thing? <laughs> oh, for sure. I was like, this was, it was such, it was also too, just this like very vague, like subtle, like, oh, and we have this couples group. And I was like. Yes, I'm and it's like, like work was, couples too. Yeah, I'm so like, we're I'm like. need more info on that. Like that's, that's too vague of a, of a drop to just not clarify or provide yeah. details on. And I think she even says like, oh, we have a lot of fun. And it's like, whoa, lady, what kind of fun are you having? Yeah. Um, fun is And I don't think we get any clarification like right off the bat. So I'm very curious what this couple's swingers, I'm going to think it's a swingers group until I'm told otherwise, <laughs> what this is. 
And of course, Ethan and Oliver are like, yeah, sure, we would love that. No, probably not. We'll never see you again, hopefully. And that's kind of what they're hoping is like, let's, because they know the Hamiltons are leaving the next day. So like, they're basically like, cool, we made it through dinner. Let's never see each other the rest of this trip. Bye. Bye. Yes. So that concludes. Oh, no, no, no. There's one more thing. So on the way back from dinner, Olive and Ethan are basically like, high five, we did it. You know, foof, we don't have to pretend to be this married couple anymore. And I, I love that the, the authors basically have illustrated that like, they so don't want to be together that Olive is walking paces behind Ethan. Like they're still talking to each other, but she's like, I'm not even going to stand next to you. I'm going to be behind you this entire walk back to the elevators to get to our room, which I just love because it just shows again, they've, they have this agreement that they don't want to spend any time together. So why, why even walk next to each other? It's just, it is, it's like purely an agreement, like nothing else. Like this is purely an agreement to just do this. Yes. And like, I mean, again, we're, we're here basically on behalf of our siblings we don't want to spend any time together. We're just doing it so they don't get gypped out of their money or lack of money that they spent, basically. So it doesn't go to waste. So, but then on the way back, so, you know, they're they're high-fiving, not really, but, you know, saying, hey, great job making it through dinner. Let's resume our not hanging out. And um, we hear in the, in the hallways of this beautiful resort, Ethan, Ethan. And uh, lo and behold, it's Ethan's longtime, longtime girlfriend, now ex. And her name is Sophie. And so quick, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan's first instinct is let's hide. <laughs> so he, like, he grabs Olive and they go and hide behind, I think, a plant. And he's like, oh, shit. It's, but he's been spotted. Yes. He's been spotted. Like she clearly called out his name and he's like, oh shit, let's hide. And Olive is like, oh, you know, Olive's giving her a little witty banter. And he's like, this is kind of serious. Like we, like, I need you this time. Like you needed me for dinner. I need you now. And of course it goes back to, okay, if I do you this favor, I'm getting the bedroom back. So everything is contractual right now. <laughs> if you, if I do you this favor, you get the bedroom. If I do you this other favor, I get the bedroom. Okay. And this is worse, like running into your ex or running into your boss. Which one's worse? God. Okay. That's a really good question. Um, oh, I don't know. What would you say? I would say I'm probably in the X camp. Like, I almost think that would be, I don't know. That just has, like, such whatever happened. Like, even even though, like, I know we're going to get details about, like, his relationship with Sophie. But I almost feel like any sort of X, especially if it was some sort of long-term relationship, like, running into them on your honeymoon, oh, I don't know. That just puts, like, well, on what is your supposed honeymoon. But, right. like, that just puts such a, I don't know, 
such a note, even, even to like run into an ex and let's say you're not on a honeymoon, but you're just like on vacation. And now you're at a resort and I know like resorts can be huge and this one's yes. lovely and beautiful, but like, you're still kind of enclosed. Right. So like you're traveling. confined to this resort, no matter yeah. how big or small it is. I don't know, because I, I almost feel like I might be on the, the boss camp because it's just, I mean, I get it. Like you and your ex have been through some shit. It's your, your private life, whatever, but with your boss, like that's a, that's professional. And I feel like I would just rather not have my private life bleed into my professional life. So I'm going to say, I would rather not meet my boss on vacation. Okay. I was going to say, I think maybe it's just, I've been really lucky with like my bosses that I'm like, okay, it's not <laughs> like, this is fine. Actually, I mean, but like my most recent boss, I'd be like, heck yeah. Like, how did this work out? This is awesome. Yes. So, I will say like, I, I have had some fantastic bosses, but this actually leads me to a story. <laughs> so a couple of weekends ago, we went to a pumpkin patch with Leo, my, my baby. And, um, one of our, my friends, Alicia and, and her husband, and then their son, um, and, and Leo and their son are like three months apart or something. And we're, we've always gone to a pumpkin patch together. So we are just like, let's do it. So we went to this new one and it's, and it's awesome. And we only had to go to it because our old one closed. <laughs> They're not doing it anymore, but it's, it's an awesome pumpkin patch, tons of activities. Um, kids like two and under are free. So we're like, heck yes, let's do it. We're not going to have to pay for the babies. And, um, there is none other than a previous, previous boss there. And like, we are both standing in line at a concession stand to like get food. And we're like a person apart. And I am mortified because not that it necessarily ended badly, but they're just not someone that I have had communication with since leaving that position. And and I know that, like, I, I think after I left, there were some things that went down. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know all of the drama because I was already gone. But it was just one of those people that, like, I did not want to run into. And she's freaking there, a person in front of me at the concession line. Please. And craziest thing, too, this was a boss that both Alicia and I had both had. So, like, we're both at this Hiding. place together, seeing her, and we're both just like, oh, my God, I hope she doesn't recognize us. I hope she doesn't talk to us. And she didn't. And whether she recognized us or not, like, I hope she didn't. But, like, she never said anything. And I don't know if that just means, like, I'm not a recognizable person or what. But it was just, like, the cringiest, like, please don't notice me moment that I've ever had. So, I think that definitely goes along with I don't want to run into my boss on vacation. Oh <laughs> Even <God>. an ex-boss. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does make me think like, I mean, not a boss, but a former coach. And I, I mean, even just like a couple of months ago, I was out with someone who also like had this coach and everything. And we were talking about some being in a situation where we would probably run into her. And I was like, I, I go, I, she probably wouldn't recognize me. Like maybe she just, and she was like, 
no, she would. And I was like, but I really don't want her to. So I was like, don't say that because I don't want her to recognize me. And if I'm going to go, like, I don't want that running. I yes. don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I'm not mentally in a place to have that conversation. Exactly. And I think that's part of it is just the like confrontational aspect. And it's not that it's negative or, or yeah. whatever. It's just like, I haven't talked to you in so long that I don't want to talk to you now. <laughs> and I feel like it would be that way with a boss or an ex. I mean, either way, like I, this is not the setting for this kind of interaction. So I don't want to do it. <laughs> so basically Sophie and Ethan, Ethan and Olive hiding behind this plant decide okay you know what we're just gonna we're gonna put the charm on again let's put on the facade let's you know pretend like we're married to get through this next conversation with Sophie yeah. and um so she has a guy with her and she introduces him as Billy her fiance and Ethan I think momentarily is kind of like surprised and hurt by that just in that like it, it seems like maybe they hadn't been separated for very long um since ending things so like the fact that she's already moved on and engaged is surprising and then you know i mean the wound is probably still a little fresh for him like going through a big breakup like that so the fact that she has fiance billy with her at this maui resort i think really like stops him in his tracks but then Olive's like, jab, jab, remember we're married. So, you know, so it's Olive's turn now to really turn on the charm. And we know Olive can't lie to save her life, but I feel like she actually does a good job. Of like, she sure. does. It's like, it's like this moment of let me just pretend to be my sister and let me pretend to be someone I'm not. And I'm going to. I'm going to treat Ethan like he is my fiance and he is my husband and, and she does. And I think that it was convincing enough because Sophie kind of leaves with this like huffy attitude. That's what I picture in my head. He does not seem like a likable person. No. And it just, I feel like you, I get this picture in my head. I mean, she's described as like tall, blonde, beautiful, you know, like you just picture this model and especially with Olive being a Hispanic or Latina girl is how she's described in the book. I think she momentarily feels self-conscious of like, she's shorter, she's curvier, you know, she's got the brunette hair. She's not this supermodel, but then she just, she's obviously a force to be reckoned with because Sophie seems a little intimidated by her charm. So yes. <laughs> take that. <laughs> and then again, like we kind of leave on this note of, Ethan's now like super quiet because that's an awkward encounter to go through, but they're both kind of under this, like, okay, whew, we've made it through both of these interactions. Let's not see these people ever again at the resort, knock on wood, you know, let's not get into this. So um, after their interaction with Sophie and Billy, they continue making their way back to the room. Olive has won the bedroom back. Um, so she's going to be back laying on the old king size bed. So, um, you know, basically Ethan's kind of just still in this mood of, I don't, I don't know if he's sad or if it's, I, I don't know. It's, 
he's in a mood. Like he's yeah, just, he's just in a mood, and I'm sure he's doing a lot of reflecting on his interactions. And um, and so Olive gets this idea, you know, the next day. Hey, let's let's go to breakfast. Um, and then she's thinking of, okay, we're on this honeymoon. Like, let's take advantage of some of the like opportunities that we have. So they go down to breakfast. It's the next day. They've, you know, made it through the night, whatever. The bed is great per Olive. She's like, hell yeah, this is the comfiest bed I've ever slept on. He's like, and, I slept so well. <laughs> let's, yes. do, let's do fun things. Like I'm fully rested. Let's. Yes. Let's She's like, we talked to my boss. We made it through your ex-girlfriend. There's nothing I can't do after a good night's sleep. So, so um, the next morning they head down to breakfast together. It's a buffet once again. And Ethan's like, nope. Remember what we saw that, that happened at the wedding? I'm not doing a buffet. Um, and I think we kind of gather that Ethan's maybe a little bit of a germaphobe. Like he just doesn't like the big, I don't know, the big food displays and you know things sitting out and stuff like that so he's it seems like he's not really going to eat much of a breakfast and he's still just in this angry mood and whatever so then uh at breakfast lo and behold freaking sophie and her boyfriend slash fiance show up and sit at a table right behind them so ethan can like has a clear view of his ex and I think I'm guessing Olive must have her back toward them. And so once again, it's like, ugh, we have to turn on the charm. Like we have to keep pretending to be this couple that we're not. And, um, and I believe this is their first kiss. I mean, they wanted to be so convincing that they do a quick little peck. <laughs> I think Ethan wanted to be so convincing. Yes. In yes. And I mean, also, I know we don't find out, but, like, just the way that Sophie is described, I feel like this would be an intentional action for a person like that to... Yeah, to, like, sit by them. Sit by them as opposed to just with the way that she's been described so far and, like, the little interaction that we've seen. I'm like, this is... That would not just be your like casual, oh, I got placed here. Like that was intentional. Yes. And it just seems like I don't, we don't know quite yet what went down between the two of them, but it does seem like it's almost like trying to rub his face in it. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm better off without you. You know, I've moved on. Look at me. I have a fiance, that kind of thing. It does seem like Although there's not a ton of detail, it does seem like she's flaunting it a little bit. Yes, for sure. For sure. And Ethan just seems really wounded. I mean, like he wants to convince her that he is this newlywed guy. But, you know, with all of the silences and and the, the lack of like wanting to do stuff and just not being motivated, it seems like he's really just kind of absorbing these like negative feelings that he had from their relationship and maybe how it ended so basically olive you know they have their kiss whatever and olive is like ethan you've been in this funk i'm gonna go talk to the concierge and let's get an activity planned so she picks one that's not super romantic it's more adventurous i would say like something that's not just a spa on the beach and holding hands and 
I don't know, flaunting around, blah, blah, blah. But she chooses something that's going to like get them up and moving and active. And so she comes back and is like, Hey, I, I did this. Um, you know, like she's feeling pumped about it. Like it seems fun. And Ethan's kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, this, this would be cool. Like I, I could definitely, you know, do it. And then of course, um, you know, he's kind of like, well, we probably still have to pretend a little bit, but we can at least be doing something fun and not just have this like intense, close interaction constantly. Like we're be, we're doing an activity. And so, um, they get on the shuttle that's going to take them to this activity. And lo and behold, once again, Sophie and Billy are on this shuttle. And it's like, we just can't get a break from this. It's how much more does this poor, not real couple have to go through? <laughs> They've been through so much. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it just seems like, I mean, like you said, it almost just seems intentional. Although I don't know how Sophie and Billy would have known that like, this is what they signed up for. Unless maybe low key, they also went to the concierge afterwards and were like, oh, what did they sign up for kind of thing. But that's not told to us. So that's just me making. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> it, even if it is a coincidence though, which it may, I mean, like you said, we don't know for sure, we don't know. but then aren't they like all over each other though? And they yes. know that he's, that Ethan can see all of that. And that's like, and I think so. I think Ethan and Olive, like, they have to sit at like the back of the shuttle van because that's like the only seats left. And yep. Sophie and Billy are up there just making out, which, like, first of all, why would you do that in a shuttle full of people? Yeah. Like, if and maybe that's just me. I'm just not like a huge, I love like a nice handhold, an arm around the waist, whatever, but I am not gonna, unless I've been heavily drinking. I'm not going to just make out with my fiance, husband, boyfriend, whatever in front Do of people that I don't know. In the shuttle with other people. I don't care who they are. Yeah. And also like I would gather this is not the adults only resort that yes. <laughs> there could be children on. Yes. Either way, I mean, honestly, like the children are probably going to forget it if they are, but you're scarring the rest of us normal human beings that don't want to see that. And this is like, that's like the gossip moment of like, oh my God, that couple is making out. Like, oh, for what sure. do we do? You know, like, and so after, you know, they're seeing this all happen, Ethan and Olive sitting from the back row perspective, looking right at it. Love and that. Ethan does kind of give us a little bit more insight into kind of what happened. And I think, you know, it makes Olive really kind of feel for him. Like she's, she's a little bit more willing to go with the pretending after that. And I think they're, they even like hold hands. I mean, like it's, there's, it's kind of like, I know we're faking it, but like, I, I feel for you. I'm sad that you went through this and I'm just kind of going to show you a little bit of how sentimental I'm feeling <laughs> or sympathetic I should say yeah sympathetic and um and then basically our chapter ends with them uh trying to 
stay convincing, um, knowing that they're about to spend the entire day together in front of all of these people who think that they're married. <laughs> I think they're going on a catamaran. I think that's what they said. So yeah. And I'm like, you're going to be on like a relatively small boat. Like you do, you have to turn it on, but it does. It kind of seems like, I don't know. So it's been this agreement, but it's almost, it's almost like they're like, okay, yeah, we've had this agreement kind of like turn it on, turn it off. But now it feels like they're, they both agree that they're really going to turn it on. They're like, we're going to step up our game. Like we're really going to make this believable. This yes. is not just a, like I, it is like, she, I think Olive feels for him, but she's like, all right, like, I'm really going to play my part now. I'm not just yes. going to, you know, kind of be like, oh, hey, whatever, stand off to the side, show you a little love now. And then she's like, I'm here. Like, I'm in this game. I'm going to do yes. it. And notice that, like, at first it was more contractual. Like, yep. I get the bedroom. This time there's no mention of that. It's just, I'm here for you. I will be your fake wife pretty much is what we're getting so far. So I don't know if maybe in, in future chapters, it's it's back to that, but it does seem like we're getting a little bit more of seeing the, the cracks of, it's not just this facade anymore. Like there there could be something underneath it. It, is, it, was, it was like a good, but not good place to leave off too, because I was like, oh my gosh, I really... Like, I want to see what happens on this boat. So I know. Um, and I've been really good. I think you said it too. Like, I have not read ahead. So, like, I genuinely don't know what's happening next. <laughs> so, it was funny because, like, even as I was reading, um, and I was in chapter seven, like, on the last couple of pages of it, and Jared was like, you know, you really shouldn't be reading ahead because you might let something slip. And I was like, dude, first of all, you don't even know what we're reading to. And I was like, and I'm not reading ahead, you jerk. <laughs> like, I love that he's like, Brie, remember, you can't read ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, what are your thoughts so far? I mean, so far, I feel like, and maybe we've already kind of alluded to this too, but it just... I feel like I already know where it's going. You know, it's it's just like a typical rom-com kind of thing. Like we're frenemies and then we realize like, okay, maybe there is something there and then it moves into romantic. Um, and I know, like I haven't read a lot of Christina Lauren books and, and I know you've read a few. So I don't know if there's like a twist or if something um, else kind of happens that I should be expecting, but so far it just seems very predictable. Like it's a very fun, upbeat book. And I love the banter. I love the chemistry that the characters have. Like it's very palpable, this like sexual chemistry that's kind of going on between them, but it just seems very predictable. <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, it is. And I think like I think you know that almost from the beginning, but yeah. I'm okay with that um, because I feel like that's a really common like love trope that everybody gravitates toward. And I mean, I like it too. Like I can think of multiple books. Um, I mean, I like, and I know we kind of mentioned it. I do really enjoy just how relatable the characters are and the scenarios. I mean, like we have 
gone off on tangents a million times. You can literally picture either yourself or a similar situation with almost everything that's happening. So, so I like that. I like that the detail really puts you there um, in spite of the predictability that, you know, even though we don't know the details, like we know the general direction that this is probably headed. Um, And I mean, I like, I know I mentioned it, but I really like the banter because I don't think it's easy to write something that makes people actually laugh. I think people tend to try really hard at that. And I can only think of like a handful of our authors that have genuinely made me like stop and think oh my gosh that's really funny or like that's really smart and witty so I really like that aspect of it for sure it's an it's an enjoyable pleasurable read definitely uh you know helps to branch me out of the like dark depressing yes I was gonna say like I definitely lean typically more like suspense thriller like what's what's gonna happen you're kind of on the edge of your seat so I do I do like the predictability and like you said I really like the relatability and I do feel like it is hard to write like that when you're not necessarily like a comedian like you're it's not you know um I don't know like an Ellen DeGeneres book you know she's a known comedian who like that's her goal is to make you laugh this is more like I'm laughing because I've been there. I'm laughing because I know this exact situation in my head and I love how it's playing out. Exactly. You, you know, the banter or for some of it too, I was like, I know the scenario and I wish I had had these comebacks like ready for me because they are conversations that I've had now days, weeks, years later that I'm like, well, this is what I would have said. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I should have gotten on that. And I'm like, and they just do it. They're great. <laughs> the chemistry is, I I like it. It's good. I like it. Yes. It's, it's a very enjoyable book so far. So I'm excited to keep reading through and, and see what else happens. You did a fantastic job of summarizing the chapters. <laughs> so I well. thought I was going on a little long, so <laughs> might need I to mean, edit, but... <laughs> I think some of our technical difficulties might have contributed to that's, that's um, to the link, but you know what? That's okay. Uh, yeah. No worries. We got to get into all the details. And so next time we'll dive into the second third of the book. I'm excited. Me too. And we'll have more drinks. Yes. <laughs> more drinks. Yeah. I've got uh, plenty left over to, to have this. So. Yes. All right. Until next time, then. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. Music for this podcast was created by Remington Haynes. Join the conversation by emailing us at narrativesandnightcaps at gmail.com or visit our website, narrativesandnightcaps.com. Until next time, we hope you're enjoying a wonderful narrative.